Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Cubs fans. Welcome to one of the biggest shows of the year. It is opening day eve. The Chicago Cubs will be beginning their season tomorrow, Thursday, March 29th at Marlins Park to face the Miami Marlins. Welcome into the Cubbies Crib podcast on the Fan Side Network. This is your host, Alec, Alex, alongside my co-host, Adam McGinnis. We are the Cubby's Crib Climbing the Ivy podcast, and of course, I would like to say hello to my co-host, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I am doing well myself, feeling really good about what is to come, obviously, the season. So we're just going to dive right into it. Um, If you want to call in, the guest call is 646-564-9872. That's 646-564-9872. Okay, so let's dive right into it. Tomorrow is opening day, as we've said. We have the opening day roster. It's pretty much what we expected. There was one little surprising thing, and maybe it's not even that surprising when you think about it, Um, and that was Victor Caratini making it over Chris Jimenez. Uh, Before we talk about the roster in depth, I kind of wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by Caratini getting that final spot over Jimenez. Jimenez was, uh, for a while, Hugh Darvish's personal catcher in Texas. And Jimenez is obviously the veteran guy, too. But I would have thought that the Cubs would want Victor Caratini to get regular at-bats this year. I don't know that he's going to benefit from playing in a bench role. Uh, He's obviously ready. That much is clear. But I'm not sure this was the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's a few questions about whether or not he can defend well yet. I know we need Victor Caratini to kind of develop, but I thought for the opening day uh, roster or whatever, for how long they wanted that they would have the veteran Chris Jimenez on the roster. But here's the thing. If Victor Caratini struggles, at least you know you could send him back down and then you could bring Jimenez up because I think that eventually Jimenez is going to have to come up and provide some veteran leadership, provide the veteran, what do you call, value behind the plate, whether that's working with veteran pitchers or it just being a good defensive guy. Because Caratini is very young, but he will need to get some playing time to further develop. So let's just hope everything works out there. Otherwise, everything on the roster, pretty straightforward, nothing out of the ordinary. We had the feeling that Eddie Butler was going to take Justin Grimm's place, and that was the case. Um, I'm assumed you weren't really surprised about the eight-man bullpen. No, that's kind of the way the Cubs have been going lately. Um, Eddie Butler is going to be kind of a wild card this year. Last year, 4-3, 3.95 ERA. On its face, that looks fine, but a 4.66 FIP and a 1.4 WHIP suggests he probably lucked out a lot of the time. And so if he's going to be a mainstay in the rotation and get some spot starts as well, he's going to have to get the command under control. 
Yeah, and the thing with him is that he doesn't have a whole lot of pitches. He relies a lot on a fastball, and you got to locate that right. The velocity is pretty good. Probably needs to put a little more movement on it at times. We've seen it kind of flatten out and get crushed. I think that with Eddie Butler, um, he'll be able to go two innings, three innings in relief if needed be. But we've seen like third time through the order when he started that guys hit him even harder. So he's probably not going to go as far as maybe a Mike Montgomery could in long relief, but he could at least go multiple innings. And other guys like Dylan Maples and Jen Hosang clearly weren't ready. The command was off. They don't have much time in the major leagues. You'll probably see them later this year, but right now probably was best to send them down. So I think in the end it was the right call, but he still does kind of need to prove himself. So we talked about the rotation before. Um, we talked about the lineup a little bit, but you have the projected starting lineup for tomorrow. And I just kind of wanted to see if you wanted to read through it and kind of give us your thoughts. Yeah. So I think Ian Happ is going to be leading off that that has been uh, confirmed. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And so beyond that, I think it's pretty much going to look the way it did last year. I'm betting Chris Bryant's going to be batting second, uh, Anthony Rizzo third, probably Wilson Contreras in the cleanup spot. One thing we won't see that we were used to seeing last year and the year before is Ben Zobrist in the starting lineup. Maybe he'll be a surprise and start tomorrow, but if Ian Happ is starting, I'm not sure how that's going to work out because um, Baez is probably going to get the start at second base. He's going to overtake Zobrist as the primary second baseman this year. Other than that, I think it's going to be it's kind of a crapshoot uh, six through nine. I'm not sure if Lester will bat eighth or ninth, but you'll see Hayward in right field down in the bottom of the order. Same with Russell and Baez. Yeah, I agree. And probably Schwarber playing tomorrow as well. I would assume you have a righty on the mound. Jose Urena is going to be the opening day starter for the Miami Marlins. Uh, last year, he had a 382 ERA, but a 520 FIP. So that's kind of interesting. And the team that they're going to face tomorrow, the Miami Marlins, we all know the story. They sold off. They sold probably the best power hitter in baseball in Giancarlo Stanton. They sold Christian Yelich to the Brewers. They shipped off D. Gordon. Really the only one left of that team that was really of any note that's going to be playing tomorrow Uh is Justin Bohr because JT Real Muto, while still on the roster, he is injured. They also have Dietrich over in left field. He's number one on the depth chart, so I assume that he's going to be starting. But we'll also see former face uh, of the Cubs, Starlin Castro, over at second base. It's really kind of odd to see Starlin Castro, someone who was the guy for so long in the Cubs' rebuild, shipped mm. off right before they won the World Series to the Yankees. And now he's in Miami. So looking at this Marlins team, obviously there's not a whole lot to look at right now, but is there anything that kind of catches your eye about them or something that you're kind of watching the Cubs to take control of tomorrow? Nothing in particular at every position, the Marlins are going to be overmatched in this series. I mean, I think it's a race between the Marlins and the Rays to see who win or loses the most games this year. Uh, yeah, Jose Arena listed as their ace. He can be decent, but that tells you a lot that he's their number one. 
And, yeah, like you said, Starlin Castro, Justin Bohr, just about the only real assets they've got on their team right now. I always felt kind of bad for Starlin Castro being uh, traded away just as the Cubs were getting good. He was a part of their team for so long during the crappy years. So I, I would, hated seeing him be shipped away right as things were getting good in Chicago. And you know, going to the New York Yankees was fine because they ended up being contenders earlier than we thought they would, but now he's with the Marlins, and you could, there's not a worse place to be right now in baseball. No, and it makes you wonder if Sterling Castro has another good year early on that he could be traded somewhere uh, for more prospects to go to the Marlins and maybe give Castro another shot at a contender and maybe finally getting a World Series. Because when you think about it, the Cubs sold them off after the 2015 season. They won the World Series the next year. The Yankees sold them off after their run to the ALCS and coming within one win of the World Series. And the Yankees are favored by many to win the World Series this year. So, yeah, I mean, that really is kind of a tough break for him. But, hey, maybe he'll be traded to a contender uh, very soon. Uh, so some key injuries, like we've mentioned, JT Riamuto will not be playing. Martin Prado will not be playing. And then uh, they have a couple guys on the DL as well, like Dan Straley, Wei Chen. So there's some banged up guys on this roster. So it's even more depleted than it already is. Um, I'm a little curious to see what Louis Brinson does. Uh, he was the big part of the Milwaukee rebuild, and then they traded him for Christian Yelich. Um, in uh, Milwaukee there. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's really a game the Cubs should win and a series the Cubs should win. Like you said, they overpower them in pretty much every aspect. So looking at the rotation of who they're going to face and just kind of based on the rotation I see on the depth chart, you'll have Lester facing Urena and then Kyle Hendricks facing uh, Dispain or whoever that is. I really don't know who that is. And then oh, also, yeah, I don't, I believe I don't that's how you say it. Good name. One of the better names in baseball. Aristomer. Yeah. That's o- cool. Odrissimer, I, I think. Don't. Odrissimer uh, de Spain, I think is yeah. how you say it. Yes. So they will face him on day two if the depth chart matches up here. And then their three and fours are Australian Chen. They're hurt. Next up is former Cub Justin Turner. And you remember that uh, experiment didn't work out as well as we hoped. And then after that would be Smith, Caleb Smith, uh, 26 years old, pitched with the Yankees last year, 18.2 innings, 771 ERA. So you really hope the Cubs can, because after Despain you'll have if Turner is up three, then he'll be facing Darvish, and then Smith will be facing Quintana. I don't know if that's the exact order they'll go in, but that's the order on the depth chart here. Either way, those are probably going to be the guys starting at some point in the series. I mean, the Cubs should just score a ton of runs. There's no other way around it. No, and I think they'll be scoring a ton of runs even on the good teams. But, yeah, starting the year off against the Marlins and the Reds, you can't ask for much more than that. That's a pretty favorable start to the season and yeah I think that these Marlins pitchers are just in for a rough time yeah definitely and then hopefully in this series that this can allow the Cubs to really kind of get all their guys going 
you'll have Hap going, Almora going, Schwarber, and then you could get Zobrist in there eventually, hopefully get him going. You're not as worried about Rizzo or Bryant because they do what they do all the time. And let's face it, they always get off to kind of sluggish starts. So even if they score a ton of runs and Rizzo and Bryant aren't hitting right off the bat, it's nothing really to worry about because you saw in their first few years in the big leagues or with the Cubs, they always kind of got off the gates kind of slow. But you know, ideally in these kind of matchups, you kind of want to get everyone going right away, as well as guys like Contreras or Caratini. Hopefully you get Caratini some time playing in this series as well as Wilson Contreras. So, yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up everything about the Marlins series. There's not a whole lot to break down since the Marlins don't have very much. We'll be going much more in depth about rival teams when we play them. Like we'll play the Brewers at the end of this uh, beginning road trip. And then, of course, games against other division rivals as well. But, yeah, not a whole lot to say about the Miami Marlins. So that starts at, what, 1130 tomorrow central time? Pretty early. Yeah, set your alarms. Don't sleep in too late. Yeah, right. Exactly. And be sure to wake up and put your Cubs stuff on right away. Okay, so let's kind of go more into the big picture about the season. This is mainly what we're going to be talking about is the big picture. We have a few kind of fun little games for you tonight. The first one was a poll I did on Twitter last night, and it was basically asking the range of wins of what you see the Cubs getting. So I did like 90 to 95, 96 to 100, 100 plus, or God forbid, less than 90. The results are in. We had 151 votes and the dominating vote, 45%, almost half, said they'll get to 96 to 100 wins. What would you personally vote for? So I kind of took the conservative route and I went 90 to 95. I'm just playing it safe there. Um, but I think the Cubs could very easily win more than that. I don't think they'll win more than 100, but I could see them getting around 96, 97. This team, to me, looks potentially better than the one they had in 2016. And I can't remember exactly how many games they won that year. I think they were close to 100. 103, right. So I think this rotation looks better than 2016. This lineup is mostly the same, but now more experienced and still young. So I think there's definitely room for more wins there, but I'm just going to kind of play it safe here and say that they're going to be all around 93, 94. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I probably would have voted the same way because right now I have them at about 94, 95 wins. Are they capable of winning 100 games? Sure, but winning 100 games is a very, very difficult thing to do, especially since there's a lot of talented teams in the National League, which we will talk about in a little bit. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, We had 24% saying 90 to 95, the 45% saying the 96 to 100, 23% thought that they were going to win over 100 games, and then 8% said below 90. Um, I don't know if those are non-Cup fans or... Yeah. You know, Cardinals fans or whatever. Uh, so that's pretty much the poll results of that. Pretty much goes to show most people see them winning at least 90 games and probably the NL Central. So it's kind of interesting to see what everyone's opinions are. But, yeah, I mean, half of 151 votes thinks they'll get 96 to 100. Let's hope they're right. It'd be really cool to see them win near 100 games again. But at the end of the day, as long as they win the Central, that's really what's important. So 
We like to do predictions, don't we? That's always fun. We like playing games, don't we? That's always fun. Adam, why don't you talk about the game we're going to play? So we're going to be doing some true-false this evening. I'm going to just, we're going to go back and forth, asking each other some questions about what's going to happen with either a certain player or the team in general, and we're going to you know, say whether or not we think it's going to come true or not. Since this is just true or false and not an under, there's no way for Alex to cheat tonight as he did last week. Oh, so, gosh. <laughs> so I'll get us started here. I'll ask you first, true or false, does Albert Almora get 400 or more plate appearances this year? Hmm. I'm going to say true, even though there's a lot of like depth shuffling. You want to get Ian Happ in there a lot. I think that Joe Madden realizes this is the year that Albert Almora Jr. needs to prove himself in a full situation, like a full season. Last year, we saw some great stretches from Almora, but he still didn't play every day. I think that he's going to play closer to every day. What Ian Happ does may affect it, but I think he will get that many at-bats. All right, what have you got for me? Okay. The Cubs will win the Central by 10 games or more. True or false? I'm feeling pretty confident about false on this one, and that's definitely not a knock on the Cubs. I believe they won the Central by five or six games last year over the Brewers. I think the Cardinals are going to be much improved this year, though. And I think they'll be a little bit closer to the Cubs this time around. I still see the Cubs winning this division by, oh, five, six, maybe even seven games. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see them win by ten games or more. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that the competition in the division is going to make it a little harder for them to win it by such a margin. When we saw the Cubs win the Central in 2016 by like, what, 16, 17 games, that rarely happens. And I doubt we'd ever see that again, even though this Cubs team is set to be good for some years now. That was kind of a one-time thing. Even if this team is better on paper than 2016, winning it by that margin is just so rare. So yeah, I think if all goes well, they could win by maybe four or five games. But again, all that matters is that they win it. Right. Yeah. Winning by 16 games or whatever it was, that's a bit of an anomaly. And I think that the Cardinals and Brewers are both trending upwards right now. So absolutely. Okay. Next one for you. True or false. Ian Happ will remain the Cubs leadoff hitter for the majority of the season. I'm going to go false. I think that there's going to be a bit more uh, leadoff by committee eventually. I'm not saying I don't have faith in Ian Happ, but I want him to prove some consistency first. And until he does that, I think there's going to be stretches where he struggles and he's going to have to be removed from the leadoff spot. And they'll try an Almora, or maybe they try Schwarber again, or maybe they try Zobrist when he starts. I just don't see the leadoff man being fully solved just yet. If Ian Happ proves consistency, then yeah, keep him in there. I just, I need to see it first. I agree with you. Ian Happ looks like a good hitter who could get even better this year, and the power is certainly there right now. But the the patience needs to get a little better. The on-base percentage right. wasn't bad last year. It was about league average, but you'd like to see better than that out of your leadoff hitter. 
And knowing Joe Madden, he kind of does everything by committee. There's nothing ever really set in stone with him. He likes to tinker around with things a lot. And so, yeah, I think you're right. We'll probably see Ian Happ get to start there at the leadoff spot. And if it goes well, maybe he'll stick there all year. But if not, I wouldn't be, yeah, you can count on somebody else getting a shot for a while. For sure. My next question for you, what do you know, also involves Ian Happ. Will Ian Happ hit 35 or more home runs in 2018, true or false? I'm going to have to go with false on that one. And this is another one where I could see him hitting more than 35, and I hope he does. I don't think he'll quite get there, though. Like we talked about this last week, last year he hit 24 home runs in just 115 games. And so if he plays all year, he's probably going to break 30. Well, we don't know if it was an anomaly that he hit that many in such a short amount of time. He had those streaks where he was just really hot. Who knows if he'll have moments like that again this year, but I'm a big believer in Ian Happ. And so if he's a regular in the lineup, I think he's going to be around 31, 32, but I don't think he's going to be over 35, not this year anyway. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, true or false, the Cubs trade a core player within the next two years. Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. You know, I'm just, it's you got to evaluate what they would possibly need. I mean, the rotation is set right now, but would they need a star reliever? I don't know. Um, boy, that that is a tough one. You know what? Just because things happen, I'm going to say true, and it may not even be a trade that is all that great. You know, maybe someone wants a Hayward or something and he starts hitting a little better and the Cubs say, hey, if we want to go after somebody like a Bryce Harper, we may, may need to make a trade, whether it could be like a Hayward or an Almora, because Almora could probably bring you a bit more value as of right now being a younger player and been showing much better signs of the plate lately. Am I saying that I want it to happen? Not necessarily, but I could see it happening. So I'm going to go true here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. See, here's the thing. The Cubs have a lot of players right now that I very easily see being shipped off pretty soon. Kyle Schwarber, Addison Russell, Javier Baez, Jason Hayward, Ian Happ. I could see any one of those five guys getting traded at some point. I don't think more than one of them will get traded soon, but I could. I think one of them probably will. Because the reality is, is there just isn't enough playing time there for everybody to be a regular Okay, here's my question for you then. If you had to make a list of absolute safes never getting traded, who would it be? Well, I mean, are we talking about the Chris Bryant's not getting traded, obviously, and they're going to do everything they can to lock him up long term. But if I had to pick one guy, we're we're talking about somebody who's safe, who's not going to get shipped off. Is that what is that right? Yeah, right. Okay, that's a that's a tougher one. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. I don't know if this is bold or not, but I'm going to go with Ian Happ. I think his the upside with his bat is so great that the Cubs are going to roll with him. 
we're going to see him get a lot more playing time this year than he got last year. If the power's still there, then he's going to be a huge part of that lineup. They've got four, five, maybe even six guys who could all hit 20-plus home runs. His defense looks better in center field, but think long-term he could wind up being a second baseman more than he is a center fielder. And so mm-hmm. if, I had to, if I had to pick somebody to get traded, I think it would be Addison Russell. Yeah. And so then Javier Baez would probably move over to shortstop. He's a fantastic defensive shortstop. Addison Russell is too, but Javier Baez's bat is a little bit more proven than Russell's at this point. So my prediction is, yeah, that half will end up being the long-term second baseman Baez at shortstop. Okay, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, if I had to make a list, obviously Rizzo and Bryant would be on my list. I would put Schwarber on my list. They just love the kid too much. And I'd also put Wilson Contreras on the list um, as position players. I think Hayward would be trade bait. Ian Happ, you made really good points about Ian Happ. Would I put him on 100% safe? No, I'd probably put him 90% safe, so pretty close. Almora, I could see him being dealt. I really could. I like him a lot, but I could see him being dealt. So, yeah, it's always an interesting thing to kind of think about that. But we have what we have right now, and hopefully those guys stick around if they all work out. So you talked about Addison Russell. That involves my next question for you. Will he win a gold glove? Will he win a gold glove? He's definitely got the ability to do that. There's talented shortstops in the National League with uh, Carlos Correa and Corey Seager, but Russell is one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball right now. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I absolutely think he could win a gold glove. If I have to predict yes or no definitively, um, I'll say yes. I'll go the optimistic route this time, and I'll say yes, because he he definitely can do it. Yeah, true. Cool. Okay, for you, I've got true or false. Joe Madden signs an extension with the team at some point soon here. I'm going to say true. I think he means so much to the organization. They're going to do everything they can to keep him around. I just, I don't feel like Joe Madden right now is at the point where he wants a new change, even though he's had success. Because sometimes you see managers, even though they have success in one area, they want kind of like a change. I just I see Joe Madden wanting to be here for as long as possible. He likes Chicago. Chicago likes him. He likes his core. His core is still very young. So I'm going to say true. Yeah, I am in agreement with you there. Um, there seems to be sort of age bigotry movement going on in Major League Baseball right now where teams are starting to prefer younger managers, but – I've always been of the belief that you'd go with whoever gets the job done best. And yeah, yeah Joe, with the, the Cubs are a different story, but he's going to go down in history with this team. First manager to get them to win the World Series in over a century. You're mm-hmm. not going to find that on a whole lot of other major league teams. If you can do well with the Rays as he did, then you there's obviously something you're doing right. But there's no history factor to the Rays. The Rays have about as much history as my leftover casserole from last week. So, yeah, I think the Cubs are going to figure out a way to extend him. Your leftover casserole might smell better than Tropicana Field anyway. Oh, yeah, and it looks a lot prettier, too. (laughs) Yeah, probably does. Okay, true or false, Brian will lead the team in home runs. 
Oh, that's an easy true for me. I could see Anthony Rizzo getting close to the lead, and same with Wilson Contreras, but Chris Bryant is far and away probably the most powerful hitter on this Cubs team. And I told you last week I think I've got him at 42, 43, something like that. So if anybody cracks 40, then they're going to be the the leader. I don't see multiple people cracking 40 home runs, but if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Chris Bryant. Yep, completely with you. No doubt about it. All right, what's next? Okay, for you, I've got true or false. The Cubs trade Victor Caratini this season. I'm going to say false. Um, I just, I, I feel like they want a solidified backup catcher for the future. I don't think they're going to trade him just yet. Do you think they'll trade him at any point? At some point, I could see it. I really could. I just don't think it's going to be this year. You're probably right. I was kind of thinking that they were going to trade him this off season. I'm sort of wondering, you know, what his value is. I'd be interested to see what teams would be willing to pay for someone like Victor Caratini because to get a young, dependable, durable catcher right now is a hard thing to do, especially one with a bat with upside because generally with catchers, you're, you're compromising some offense to get some good defense, but Victor Caratini has got the potential to be good behind the dish and at the dish hitting. So if the Cubs have a real need that pops up, you know, at, at the end of this season, then I think it, it probably would be in their best interest to dangle him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay, so my last one for you. Chicago-style hot dogs at Wrigley are the best things to get at a ball game. true or false? True. Hot dog at the ball game. You can't do any better than that. Atta boy. Yeah, see, I I like eating sunflower seeds at a ball game. Uh, hamburger's okay, but there's just something warmly American and great about eating a hot dog at a baseball game. I'm you not sure what it is, better. but it just feels right. As long look, as you're not putting ketchup on it. If you're putting ketchup on your hot dog, then you need to be kicked out of the park and banned for life. Though I am a ketchup lover, I do not put it on my dog. It's all about the mustard, the relish, the onions, the spore peppers. Give me all that good stuff. Okay, attaboy. I'm proud of you. Yeah, the, I, you can't get better than a Chicago dog. You just can't. It's, it's a perfect, perfect food item, and it goes great at a baseball game. I think that part of the aura of a baseball game is smelling the hot dogs and, like, the grilled onions. There's just something very special about that. Oh, yeah. you. I've ranted about this before with Cubby's Crib about how you don't go to a baseball game to feel like you're in the comfort of your home in a lazy boy recliner watching on your TV. There's You, you need to smell the smells and taste the tastes, and there's nothing better than eating a hot dog at a baseball game. That's That's how you do it. Exactly. And look, I love burgers. I love pizza. I don't, you don't eat those things at a ball game. You eat them at home, you eat them at a restaurant, you don't eat them at a sporting event. Yeah, and it seems teams are getting kind of crazy with uh, their food selections at the ballpark. It yeah, seems really. like it's been kind of a, a popular thing these last few years. It seems like a, a contest to see which team can come up with the, the craziest food item to sell. Uh, but yeah, you just got to stick with the classics sometimes. 
yeah, just give me my hot dogs, fries, nachos, peanuts. That's that's all you really need. I mean, and some of these things just don't even sound all that appealing to me. Like uh, I can't even remember what team it was, but some kind of some kind of dog with uh, jalapeno peppers and ranch and flaming hot Cheetos on it. And all those things by themselves I kind of like, but man, that just sounds like an hour of heartburn. Yeah, I don't think I'd play very well that night. I'm not sure that those stadiums are well-equipped enough with toilet paper or something like that either. Well, I'm glad they don't don't do that Wrigley, because let's face it, the bathroom situation at Wrigley is not always the most ideal. No, but it's gotten better. It has, definitely. All right, what's your last question for me? Uh, that was it. That, I gave you my five there. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Moving on then. So we talked about the roster. We had some true or false. We had a little bit of the outlook over at the season. This is the Cubby's Crib podcast. You could call in 646-564-9872. Okay. So Marlins Park, let's go back to kind of this stadium, this series, just for a moment. Because there's one last thing I wanted to talk about. It's going to feel like a home series throughout most of this. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. The Cubs travel. Cubs fans travel really well. And there's just not a lot to be excited about in Miami right now. Not even prospect-wise. Brinson could end up being a bright spot on an otherwise bleak team. But, yeah, Cubs fans are going to go to this game, this series, because – Let's face it, they're probably going to win it. If they don't get a sweep, they're going to take three out of four. And they just travel well. And not even, it's not even just a traveling thing either. Cubs fans are just all across the country. You know, there's a lot of Cubs fans in every state. They're one of the nationally popular teams. And so, yeah, that ugly monstrosity of a baseball field, but... Yeah, it's going to look probably more blue than orange. Yeah, definitely. I wrote an article for Wrigley Report talking about that. Every year they play Miami, there's tons of Cubs fans. Shouldn't be any exception. You'll probably have even less of an average attendance this year at Marlins Park. The last two years has been about 21,000 per average. Um, If you go back to when they opened it, if you go back to the year after they opened it, because the Marlins, one of the best average attendance years was the year they opened Marlins Park because they put together that team that was supposed to contend. That averaged about 27,000, while the last few years after that, when they realized that this team actually isn't very good, they've averaged about 20,000, 19,000, and that number could dip even more. So, yeah, Cubs fans will gobble up plenty of the tickets. It'll be good for the Marlins financially. They'd probably wish the Cubs would be around a little more to gobble up those tickets, but, you know, it's only the series they see all year there. Um, so it'll, it'll be fun for the Cubs fans going down there, nicer weather, make it feel like at home for the Cubs. Should be a real fun time. All right, so let's go on and kind of talk about the competition in the National League. Because as good as the Cubs are, there's going to be plenty of teams standing in their way. If you were to say there's one team posed the most threat to their pennant chances, who would it be? Hmm. Let's see here. I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals. And here's why. Interesting. Yeah, see, the Cardinals are going to be a lot better than they were last year. I know 
people don't maybe want to hear that, but I think it's the truth. We've talked about this before. Their lineup is older, but it's not a bad lineup. Tommy Pham has been really good the last couple of years. Marcelo Zuna is one of the most underrated outfielders in the league. Dexter Fowler obviously was a Cub. We know what he's about. Carpenter, a great first baseman. And their rotation is a bit of a question mark. Carlos Martinez is going to be good. Michael Walkup probably going to be good. They've got guys like Luke Weaver who might be good. We don't know. Alex Reyes on the DL comes back. He could be a major difference maker for them, whether he's a starter or out of the bullpen. He's got electric stuff. And then Adam Wainwright is also starting the year on the DL. But he's supposedly reinvented himself a little bit for this year. He's not going to be a strikeout pitcher anymore. He's uh, His stuff has been not what it used to be. He's kind of struggled. But apparently he, he thinks he's found a way to be more of a ground ball pitcher at this point in his career. So, And just by default, you can never count out the St. Louis Cardinals. They use devil magic, and they're just always going to hang around no matter what because that's what they do. Yeah, for sure. That's what they've done for a very long time. And, yeah, it's definitely an improved team. The outfield defense is definitely improved. We'll say that for sure. It's not the greatest, but it's definitely improved compared to the last two years. Yeah, they're definitely a team to look look at. For me, I still think that the Dodgers are going to be the toughest team in the NL. Do I think they're going to be as insanely good as last year? No, because that's just unsustainable. But they still should win 90-some-odd games like the Cubs should. They're going to be a team that's going to be really looking to get back after losing the World Series in seven games last year. Um, The Nationals are probably another team. Let's talk about the Nationals. Do you think that they serve as a big threat to the Cubs? Because even though they're really good, still don't have that much fear about them. Well, I think people should be scared of the Nationals because – We've talked about this before, too. Scherzer and Strasburg, that's the best one-two punch in baseball by a long shot. The the rotation might not be the best in baseball, but that one-two combination is easily the best. And then you've got a player like Bryce Harper, who's all-world, might get $400 million in free agency next year. But, you know, all over the field, they look pretty good. Ryan Zimmerman, despite some down years, has looked better the last couple years. Howie Kendrick is a decent enough, dependable player. Trey Turner has been great. Adam Eaton's a great outfielder. Anthony Rendon, super underrated third baseman. But the Nationals just have this thing about choking in the postseason for some and that's reason. that's the thing. Since, yeah, well, since, since they've become the Nationals you know, from being the Expos, they've never won a playoff series. And just with the talent that they've got from top to bottom, I just can't see that continuing. It it seems insane to me that they haven't already won a playoff series. They've really underachieved. So I just think that at some point they've got to break through. Yeah, and I don't want to be like putting them down as a team because overall they're an incredibly talented team. Having Adam Meaton back is going to be really good for them. Uh, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez. I mean, those are pretty good guys right there. Here's my thing with them. There are two things I have with them. One, after Scherzer and Strasburg, you never know what kind of season you're going to get from Gonzalez. He'll have one really good season and then one really bad season. 
And then your four and five are Roark and uh, Cole. And I just, I don't think the depth is quite as good. And then the bullpen to me is still a bit questionable though. What's good for them is that they could still probably make a trade or two if they want to make one more run, because let's face it, this is kind of the last shot they have at a really big run with some of these guys, including likely Bryce Harper. So while I think it is a good team, like last year, facing in, in a playoff series, as a Cubs fan, I feel like the Cubs could do what they did and expose their weaknesses and beat them again. I still think the Dodgers are a team to be afraid of more. I agree with you, but you know, Tanner Roark is a guy who could be pretty good for that rotation. I know he wasn't very good last year, but just a couple short years ago, 2016, he went 16-10 and 10 with a 2.83 ERA, and in 2014, 2.85 ERA. So he's got the potential to be a solid starter for them. And if they, if Gonzalez is on his game as well, then they've got a really good one through four. And then, like we talked about, that lineup is talented. I actually think the Nationals are the favorite to get Bryce Harper. That's my opinion. I know that the Cubs are looked at as the favorite right now, I think Bryce Harper would maybe settle for slightly less money to re-sign with the Nationals. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I think uh, if that were to happen, I would rather him go to the Nationals than, say, like the Dodgers or any division opponent. I want him to come here first and foremost, but it would be better for him, to for the Cubs, to go back to the Nationals than maybe another opponent they'd see more often, either in the division or in the playoffs, because seems like they just run into the Do- they're going to run into the Dodgers again that at least that's how I feel you never know but uh, that's yeah. why I still think the Dodgers are a bigger threat but yeah I mean the Nationals are no doubt a very talented team and anyone involving gigantic amounts of money is going to be tied to the Yankees Bryce Harper is not going to go to the Yankees the Yankees have a no beard policy Bryce Harper is not going to sign a 400 million dollar contract and shave his yeah. beard I know that seems insane to you guys, maybe for $400 million, but I'm telling you right now, Bryce Harper is not going to shave his beard, so the Yankees are out. I just don't think that the Yankees are going to have as much money as they like to spend. I think with the money they're paying some of the other guys and adding Bryce Harper, that would just be a little too ridiculous. So I think his more likely targets would be like a Cubs or a Phillies or I don't know the Dodgers, what their space is going to be like when it comes to luxury tax, but I'm sure they're going to make a run at him as well. But yeah, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, right. Are there and any other... I, oh, sorry, I go think ahead. The, I think the consensus, too, is that the Yankees are gearing up to sign Manny Machado after this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that they're, they would benefit more by getting an infielder like Machado. Are there any other teams in the National League besides the Dodgers or the Nationals or the Cardinals that you think would be legit legit threats to the Cubs in any division? No, I really think that's about it. I'm not at all convinced that the Mets can stay healthy. The Braves are still way too far off, even though they're getting a little bit better. I don't see the Rockies being as good as they were last year. They had a, a stretch. I think for the first half of the season where their starting pitchers were really good. 
And to put it bluntly, that's just not going to happen again. It's hard to pitch in Colorado. Those guys don't have a history of being good pitchers anyway. I don't think that it's going to be there for Colorado. I don't see them getting back to the wild card. I don't see the Diamondbacks being as good as they were last year either. And not just because they don't have J.D. Martinez. I think that Zach Grinke could be in for a pretty tough year. And beyond him, that rotation isn't that great. So, yeah, I think the Dodgers and Nationals are the two big ones. And then the Cardinals are kind of my dark horse. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'd say that the three we talked about mainly were the biggest threats. So that brings us to one key team that we haven't talked about yet. I'm sure you know who it is. The guys just up I-90 up north, the Brewers. What are your overall thoughts on them, and what do you think they'll do alongside the Cubs? Not sold on the Brewers. I see them winning 83 games, maybe less, maybe slightly more. I don't think they're going to finish second place in the NL Central. I think that spot is going to be the Cardinals. See, the thing with the Brewers is I'm of the belief that they overachieved last year. Mm-hmm. And so they they definitely improved by adding guys like Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich. But I think those guys are probably only enough to get them back to where they were last year. Be- because they overachieved, I think that Cain and Yelich are going to propel them to about the same level they played at in 2017. I don't see them being close to an Indy win team. Maybe they'll squeak their way into the wild card game. I'm not convinced they're going to. Yeah, I am kind of have that same mentality, though there is still part of me that thinks that they can contend. Here's the thing about the Brewers last year, comparing them to now. There were a number of guys last year who had career years. Manny Pena had a career year. Eric Thames had a April of the ages, like an unbelievable stretch. And then after that, there were some struggles. He's going to be more of a platoon guy because he struggled against uh, left-handed pitching. Uh, Travis Shaw had a career year. Though he's only 27, he may be reaching his own. Um, Domingo Santana really stepped up last year, and he's still kind of young. But Jesus Aguilar, I mean, he came out and hit 16 home runs off the bench. He was never near that in his career. And then you look at some of the pitchers. Jimmy Nelson has always been pretty good, but Chase Anderson, he had a career year by far. Zach Davies, I think he is a solid guy, like a solid four, kind of a Kyle Hendricks type, but I don't think he's by any means an ace. He had a whip of 1.35 and a FIP of 4.22. So I think he'll be decent, but not like great. Um, And as for the bullpen, Corey Knable was amazing last year. He pitched 76 innings, and we saw him kind of wear out a little bit. I think this year he'll either be really good or it'll be like a lot of relievers after a career year just kind of fall off. So I have my question marks about this Brewers team, but I like their lineup a lot. The adding of Christian Yelich was an amazing addition. Lorenzo Cain will probably pay off for the first two years of that contract. He's still a really solid ball player. Ryan Braun's older. He's not going to put up his MVP numbers, but he'll still put up some decent numbers. Domingo Santana, if he can keep up what he did as a young player, that should be a pretty good uh, asset for them. So I think they will score some runs. I just don't think their pitching is going to be that great. Uh, We'll see what Davies and Anderson do in this uh, season. But 
I am shocked that they didn't try to make a run at a Lance Lynn or an Alex Cobb or even Jake Arrieta after the Cubs got you Darvish. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. The Brewers seem to be in win-now mode, but Chase Anderson and Zach Davies at the top of your rotation, you're not going to make a playoff run with those guys. You're just not. And so they're going to have to find a way now to add some starting pitching in the season if they can, if they've even got the assets to do that. I think they're even in position to do it. If they're even in a position that they want to do that, because let's face it, by July, they might not be in the running at all. And I see the Brewers not being any better than average this year. I could see them winning 83 games. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be around 80, 81. I'm just not sold on these guys. But yeah, the pitching it's it's not good. The bullpen beyond Knebel, not great. I think the Brewers are gonna get third in the NL Central. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Yeah, I felt like if they added more starting pitching, they'd be a bit more of a threat. And they still are not a team to sleep on, I think, because there is talent on that team. But I they got to prove to me that last year wasn't a fluke. And by doing that, they got to do well this year. If they do well this year, then I'm going to say last year was not a fluke. But they're going to have to prove that to me first. I think Cubs-Brewers games will be really fun this year. I think that rivalry is kind of back again that we saw in like 2007, 2008. Though the circumstances were kind of different, if you remember. Because in 2007, 2008, they were the really young team. We were the veteran team. Now, we're the really young team. And when you think about it, the Brewers are a pretty veteran team considering where they were. Yeah, they have young players like Arcia and Santana, but you look, a lot of those guys are in their upper 20s, early 30s. And a lot of those guys were the ones that really had big years last year, like an Eric Sogard, like a Jesus Aguilar, like a Manny Pena, like a Chase Anderson. I think he's almost 30 or around 30. So it's, it's just kind of interesting to see how that is now. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I, I think the Brewers have the potential to get to just squeak into the postseason. But I've got them kind of in the same class as the Diamondbacks, where absolutely everything is going to have to fall in place for them if that's going to happen. The best thing the Brewers will have accomplished this year is their video recreation of the Sandlot scene. I like Stephen Vogt a lot, but he's a better actor than he is a catcher. He was great in that. I mean, you got to admit that was He was fantastic. Cool. It was fun. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I'll give the Brewers credit. Their, uh, their marketing game has stepped up a bit. You give you give them credit for that. Yeah, I do, because they, in my mind, are a rather boring franchise. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but I've always just been kind of underwhelmed by, oh, really everything about them for some reason. Yeah, you know, they were much more exciting, I think, when they had Braun and Fielder when they were young. Because you got to admit, the, the, those guys just mashed in the day. Prince was fun to watch, yes. He he would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't have the injuries. He was an unreal baseball player. He was he was fun to watch. Everybody likes a big boy who can hit. That's just that's why I think that's why a lot of people like Kyle Schwarber too, even though he's lost thirty pounds or so. Everybody likes the portly guy who can hit. That's just been a something about baseball that everybody has loved for all of time. And the cool thing is Fielder just kind of embraced that as part of who he was, and that kind of made it more fun. Yeah, he had a great personality. I was 
sad to see his career kind of fizzle out the way it did with health Me too. concerns. Yeah, it really is a shame. Cause like I said, he would have been a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Because if you go back and look at his numbers, they're pretty unreal. Yeah, the guy was great. He had a run where he was just dominant at the plate. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, outside those years, yeah, Milwaukee's – there have been a lot of Milwaukee teams that were just mediocre and bland. Uh, you know, for the Brewers fans, it's good that they're a bit more entertaining now. But, yeah, I mean, especially after Prince Fielder left and before – like, let's say from 2012 to 2015 or 2016, it just – oh, it was a really kind of a boring team. You know what the Brewers should do is they should wear those – pinstripe uniforms with the lighter blue and more yellow. They should make those their main home uniforms. I don't know if they're already going to do that or not, but those are sweet. The ones they've got now with the the navy blue, they're really dreary looking and in my opinion, maybe the worst uniforms in the major leagues. You can't... Uniforms make a big difference to people. I'm telling you, you have a cool set of unis, people like you more. It's just the truth. Yeah, the Brewers, they do have some really good uniforms. The ones I think they need to get rid of are like those gold ones that look kind of like the Nashville Predators, but a little like dirtier gold. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are disgusting in the bad way. Those are bad. They need to get rid of those. Not Um, fire. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Okay, so we got about six minutes left in the show. Kind of shifting gears back to the Cubs because this is – well, we really are. We are the Cubby's Crib Podcast. What we are? matchups are you... Yeah, did you not know that? I probably should have told you that when I brought you on as my co-host. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'll keep that in consideration for next week. Okay. Good. What are some matchups you're looking forward to this year? Specific teams that you're looking forward to kind of outside the division, like interleague play or anything else? What, what excites you? The White Sox. Uh, They're not going to be very good this year, but Crosstown Classic is always fun to watch no matter how the two teams are doing. And mostly because the White Sox have got some prospects that should be pretty good. Guys like Moncada and Eloy Jimenez, who obviously was a Cub who went over to the White Sox in the Quintana trade. So I'm most excited to see if Eloy is up and playing with the Major League squad by that point because I'd really like to see him play against the Cubs. I think that would be pretty interesting and fun for the entire state of Illinois to watch. Yeah, for sure. When both teams are good, there's a real like cool energy in the stadium, whether you're at Wrigley or whether you're at uh, the White Sox Park, whatever they call it now. It really does make for a good time. And I think this year the White Sox can make a little bit of noise with some of their young kids. So maybe we'll see some of those guys when we play them later in the season. Probably earlier in the season we see them in May. We won't see all the guys we want to see. I think that Michael Kopech will start in the minors as well as Eloy, as well as some of those other key guys. But we'll see Mancata again. We'll see Nicky Delmonico. We'll see uh, Reynaldo Lopez. I think we'll see Carson Fulmer. So we'll see some of those guys. Uh, that should be fun. You know what I'm looking forward to? We play a certain team that, um, oh, I don't know. There, it involved a rain delay and it involved uh, Alita 3-1 that kind of went away. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Hmm, I can't really think Who of could that be? Yeah. 
What I'm really looking forward to the most is playing at Progressive Field because, I mean, do I really have to explain it? You know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to know. It's always going to be sorry, fun to, to make the, the 3-1 joke. It, it just is. It's never going to get old. I'll never apologize for it. No one should. It's going to be around forever as it should be. Yeah, and I just I feel like when they go back to that stadium, I bet you there's going to be a moment where all the guys from that 2016 team are going to go back into that little locker room weight area and just kind of reminisce. Like, how you cool know, does that have to be if you're one of those guys? Oh, yeah, that would be great. I hope it rains during that, at some point during that series. Oh, my God, me too. I will pray for a rain delay and, and during that series. That would just be so perfect. So, that so would perfect. Be, that would just be a meme from God, wouldn't it? Yeah, it really would. It really would. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to a matchup that I will be attending, and that's also interleague play. I will be going to the Cubs-Twins game in June. Okay, that should be fun. I'm I'm kind of high on the Twins this year. Yeah, and here's the, the interesting thing about interleague play at Wrigley Field. It brings the most visiting fans of any other team. Really? Yeah. Last year, when I saw the Blue Jays at Wrigley Field, I think there were actually more Blue Jays fans at Wrigley Field than there were Cubs fans. Also, the same thing the last time the Twins came to town and when the Tigers came to town, I mean, they, they made up at least half of the crowd in, the, in those games. That's interesting. I'm genuinely surprised by that. Well, keep in mind that these teams don't visit Wrigley Field very often, so you want to see Wrigley Field. And the thing about the Tigers and the Twins are, it's not far. It's pretty close. That's true. Good point. So I think, yeah, a lot of people will drive down. And I mean, even think about it, for many years, a lot of Cardinals fans came to Wrigley because, you know, it was pretty close. So I think that's it's kind of one of those combinations of, well, you know, let's say I'm a Blue Jays fan. I, I haven't seen Wrigley Field, and I want to see Wrigley Field. Uh, it's not that far. So that's my theory. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. This was another really good episode. We are ready for the season. Finally, we will wake up tomorrow for actual Cubs baseball, not spring training. Adam, as always... Thank you for coming on. Yep, it's a pleasure. As always, and we will be back next week talking about the first week of the season as there are many different weeks to come. So, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Enjoy the rest of your night. Wake up tomorrow and be excited. Go Cubs go. And have yourselves a great evening.